Hi, I'm Karen. And I'm Naki. This is Filtered Through Fiction, where we look at life through the lens of our favorite fiction. Today, we are digging into Chapter 3 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, The Letters from No One. So, as a quick recap, um, you chime in if I've missed anything. Harry finishes his longest ever punishment after the boa constrictor incident at the zoo. It's now the summer holidays and Harry's looking forward to attending a new Dudley Free School. Just you wait, Harry. Just you wait. <laughs> you have no idea how good this is about to get. Um, someone keeps trying very hard to deliver Harry a letter. We see how secrets change the Dursley family. And Uncle Vernon loses his shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect summary. <laughs> it was um, it was a toss-up between Uncle Vernon loses his shit and Uncle Vernon goes batshit crazy. Okay, yeah, I like it. <laughs> I, th- I think either of them really fit. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I like <laughs> um, it. This was, the, him losing his shit felt a little less judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> You're so kind. I try to be. <laughs> I have to t- say, I, I changed my nickname for him in my notes after oh, last... Oh, Daddy D? <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> um, but I realized his initials are VD. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you young kids these days know what that stands for, but um, it's definitely uh-huh. venereal disease, which was the term used before sexually transmitted disease or sexually transmitted infection and it cracks me up so hard (laughs) i actually had a geometry teacher in high school with those initials and we used to call him that he was the sweetest like we loved him of course loved him he was very different from vernon dursley (laughs) dud dursley yeah but he we used to call him hey vd can i go to the bathroom (laughs) shut (laughs) up (laughs) he hated it so much (laughs) you will be happy to know that as i took notes this week i just wrote duds oh there you go (laughs) yep it's it's faster it is and more fun and like we're the nerds who handwrite our notes yes that's true (laughs) i bought a special notebook just for the notes for this you'd be very proud of the fact that i as i was trying to juggle scheduling um, the podcast schedule and the blog schedule. I, I think I said to you, I feel like I need a planner just yes. for this. I bought a planner. Oh, <laughs> good for you. We'll I see. bought a planner, but I'm using next, it as a notebook. <laughs> the next step is if having to actually use it. So yeah. it's the application piece. That's I love me. planners. I was like a huge uh, happy planner mm. purchaser and user a few years back, but I like buy them use them for a while and yeah. then they disappear it falls apart yep so i went like evangelical church pastor on this chapter okay i have like three points and they all start with the same letter oh <laughs> it's like a three-point sermon yeah, literally yeah. yeah like the the chapter the the reactions to and the way things are handled by the dursleys mm-hmm. in these are delusional, denial, and desperation. I feel the spirit. <laughs> Do you preach? Preach, preach up. Yes. Yeah, okay. I just, I feel like it starts out with this delusional, super stupid moment where Dudley gets his new uniform for his fancy school. <laughs> and he, the description of the uniform, and I can't picture it 
from the movie. I can't remember if this even happens in the movie. I think he ha- I think he has the hat for sure. And remind me. And the smelting me. stick, I'm sure. Oh, for I'm I'm sure he does. I yeah. can't picture it at the moment either, but I definitely remember the hat. Yeah, so in the in the chapter, it's um like a jacket a, a pair of knickerbockers, which I'm assuming are short pants. Short pants. <laughs> and then this, like, flat hat. Yeah. And he gets a stick that he obviously uses to beat Harry with. But <sighs> Petunia's reaction is, oh, so handsome and grown <laughs> up. And all I can picture is, like, a baby child <laughs> in, like, a little sailor suit with his short pants and his little, you know hat and I it's so delusional to say <laughs> that Dudley Dursley looks handsome and grown up in this moment <laughs> and if I remember the colors of the uniform yeah, correctly like maroon and they're maroon and orange orange yeah and it's hideous <laughs> like, in, in no situation does that color combination look good no, <laughs> no it's absolutely horrid <laughs> The delusion that they see him as this perfect, beautiful, handsome, grown-up child. Yeah. And all he does is throw tantrums, act like a toddler. Yeah. And, I mean, by all accounts, he's not the most attractive person. (laughs) (laughs) We're not led to believe he's a looker. (laughs) No, no, not at all. And that just starts the delusion of the whole the whole thing it comes back up later but that's okay. that's the first point where i was like oh yeah they're fully delusional yeah so that's the first point of okay. my three-part sermon yeah go ahead and go through your sermon well, and then <laughs> I, we can kind of i mean i i i have three points huh. um but i am start with the same I letter not as cool Gosh. as you <laughs> gotta work on those um skills. though technically it could be Ooh, let me look at the last mm. one um. Oh no, I have four points. Mm. I've ruined I, it. I kind of have four, but I've one of them it. is a sub point. It's, it's over. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the delusion, and then we move to the denial. When the letters start coming, when Harry gets the first letter, and he unfortunately doesn't open it in the hallway before he walks into the sitting room, and the denial begins yes. of Vernon physically denying Harry the opportunity to read his own letter, but denying his history and his right. whole story by not letting him, you know, by attempting to not let him yeah. go to Hogwarts, fulfill his, his life. Um, he says again, well, on page 36, he said in my book, I guess I don't need to say pages cause everybody's versions are different, but Vernon, says something about stamping out that dangerous nonsense. Ooh, yes. And then yes. get like the next page says again, don't ask questions. Yep. And it's just that constant denial for Harry of information and of knowing who he truly right. is. Like that, his own history. Yeah. Um which comes up more right in the next in the chapter. Next chapter. Well. I had a feeling we'd both end up addressing yes. that piece in the next chapter. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the desperation, just, you know, getting to the point where he is, you know, Vernon is sleeping on the, on the mat, the front mat so that, that he can catch the mail. And then yeah. when that doesn't work, boarding up the entire house from the inside so no one can get in or out. 
And then at that, you know, once they start, the letters start coming in the fireplace. Yeah. Picking up the family in desperation and just leaving, thinking he can run away from it. Yeah. Going to literally the middle of nowhere, the place a where... hut on a rock <clears throat> in the middle of the sea. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So just so much psychologically wrong with Vernon Duds- <laughs> Dursley. Why do I keep saying Dudsley? I don't I'm just going to call him VD. There you go. Uh, VD. So much psychologically wrong with VD. Well, you even see the way that desperation plays out into like what I, I guess I would call a paranoia mm-hmm. when he like will drive in a direction, get out, look around, get back in the car, go in a different direction and how it, addresses how he's, how he's going shake him off shake him off and yes <laughs> he's truly coming undone at this point like yes. he has in Myers-Briggs it's what you would call he's in the grip which it is you and you're essentially as stressed out as you can possibly be uh, you are now in the grip of stress and instead of acting in what would be the innate ways that you function you now flip that on its head And the way that you function last, like it does not come naturally to you. And it is even hard to practice deliberately. It now becomes your go-to because you're so stressed out. Mm -hmm. Well, and that delusion (laughs) comes back in the paranoia too. That's why I said like the delusion kind of comes back in because he just constantly thinks that he can avoid all of this. And Yeah. Yes, I'm going to go a little out of order because that kind of the denial and the delusion both um, incorporate the, I guess, topic or theme that I had, which was ignoring a problem in the hopes it'll go away. Mm. And he says specifically, like after they see the letter, um, the initial letter, and he flips it over and sees well he sees who it's addressed to and he sees who and where it's from and immediately he's like petunia you know and um and it she she points out the address and how like i believe i'm flipping to the page but yeah she's like vernon oh my goodness like like looking at the address, like how how do they know where he sleeps? Do you think someone is watching the house? And then um, she says, should we write back, tell them we don't want? And he cuts her off and he's like, no, we'll ignore it. If they don't get an answer, yes, that's best. We won't do anything. And essentially, like if we ignore it and don't allow them to deliver the letter, then this will just go away. And uh, little does he know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh. Hogwarts uh, definitely one ups him on on that front because I actually I actually wrote down the numbers and like it's initially it's a letter and then it's three letters and then I think it says eleven or twelve so I'll put twelve ish letters and then it's twenty four letters and then it's thirty to forty letters and then it's a hundred letters and then it's Hagrid showing up yep. with a letter mm-hmm. and uh, just um that whole concept of like, if I bury my head in the sand, eventually this problem, not that the problem will take care of itself. It's just thinking you can run it into the ground to the point of, I, it will no longer become a problem that I have to deal with. And 
like I I try not to be that way but I I I definitely see ways in my life that I will let something sit and I it's not that I think it will go away it's just that I will let it sit until there is no ignoring it um, I, a great example is yesterday I had to work from home because <laughs> somebody had to come uh, replace my garbage disposal because there was standing water in my kitchen. And it's, it's those kinds of problems, like, which is stupid because, I, I mean, we have a homeowner's warranty. And at most, I would have paid $60 to, like, whatever they had to do. But it's the whole, like, I didn't do anything to make my garbage disposal stop working. Um, like, it's it's just old, you know? Uh, but the idea of bringing somebody I don't know into my house, and, and like, in my mind, like, they're going to judge me because... <laughs> I've let this problem sit so long. I'm like, rightfully so. Like, I could have just called somebody initially and been like, hey, can you send someone out to look at this? And not have gone through the process of, um, you know, walking through an inch of water in my kitchen. It's just stupid. Like, why not just deal with it? You're happy. You're happy now because your disposal works. Like, water isn't draining from your disposal into your dishwasher, which is supposed to drain into your disposal, so now it has nowhere to go, so it's going to your floor. It's like, why I, a, a month ago, you could have just made this same phone call and gone through this same process and not dealt with any of the bullshit. So, it's the adulting things. Oh my gosh, I relate a thousand percent (laughs) I always leave things like that that are just they're out of my routine they're maybe inconvenient for me Mm -hmm. no they're not hugely painful $60 I mean it's not what you want to spend your money on but it's fine you've got income you're good like but it's just that it's adding something else into what I try to have as a routine yeah I totally get the, like, thinking they're going to judge, especially on something. Like, we, our air conditioning and, and furnace at our house is as old as our house. It's, our house was built in the 70s, and we, it's the original as far as we know. <laughs> and every time, like, the HVAC company comes to just do, like, yearly yeah. checkups, they always are like, you should get the, you should start thinking about replacing this. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, we'll just replace it when it breaks. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but every time they say it, I get this little chip on my shoulder of like, it's still working, isn't it? Why, why are you judging me for not replacing it? You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You want to talk about the most uncomfortable, like, feeling of being judged is trying to buy a fucking home. Ugh. sorry stephanie i know you're a mortgage (laughs) lender (laughs) i'm like but you're kind i'm kidding uh i actually my experience was horrible the first time but only because he told me what i knew like i had a lot of shit to fix so it was not at all the lender's fault (laughs) he actually gave me a lot of good advice on how to get to a place of being able to buy a home but it is one of those things where it's like you are you are literally looking at a single aspect 
a very important aspect of financial responsibility in terms of, you know, lending me an astronomical amount of money Mm -hmm. and in the hopes that I will pay back that astronomical (laughs) amount of money. I get it. Um, But that was, I, 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 I will not even pretend like I didn't have meltdowns in the home buying process. Oh, well, they, I mean, they, whoever they say that like the two most stressful things that you can go through are a death (laughs) and buying a house and maybe divorce. Maybe I'm getting that wrong. I don't know. They maybe taught me wrong, but like it's equivocal to losing a person, an important person in your life. Like that's how stressful it is. I don't know anybody who's bought a house that's been like, cool, cool, cool. Let's do this again tomorrow. Like everybody. That was so much fun. Right? Can't wait to do I it mean, again. Maybe there's certain like people in the industry that like really know the ins and outs of it right. and know how to get through every step in the best possible way, blah, blah, blah. Maybe that. But like for the most part, average Joe, it yeah. is not a yeah. fun process. And it does feel very, I mean, they're looking at your bank account in detail. Yeah. Like, where did this money come from? Where did you get this? Yeah. My mom gave it to me. Shut up. It's a birthday present. <laughs> like, Leave me alone. Like, I am not shady. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> a drug dealer. Treating me like if I'm I was, shady. I wouldn't put it in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I promise you it'd be all cash transactions and it would, <laughs> I would never see the light of day. Obviously launder that In terms some of other. something you could <laughs> physically find. Right? <laughs> uh, it's so, yeah. I get that. I will say the thing that I am much better at is like my people. Like if I, meaning like my circle of people, people who really matter to me is um, if I can tell something is off between me and another person, the two of us, those are things I will not let sit and not in like a confrontational way. Like what's wrong with you? It's like, (laughs) are you okay? (laughs) And if it's because it is one of those things where to me, like I don't like conflict and I know as potentially a nine, (laughs) a nine wing, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. (laughs) That's me. Um, like I don't hate conflict, but to me, I would rather have, um, I would rather us go through the conflict of having this conversation than maybe feeling tension and or feeling tension, but not knowing why. And the unknown of like, I think I think she's mad, but I don't know why she's mad. And I don't know if I did something, but I definitely could have done something. I'd rather find out what's wrong. Um, and if, if it is me, then own it and make it right. Like it's the personal tension, like interpersonal tension that I, I, I don't like that. I don't like letting that sit. Yeah. You won't put that off. At least I do that well. No, that's good. I'm Um, definitely in the denial phase of that. (laughs) I'm always like, well, I mean, they haven't said anything, so it's probably just me being paranoid Uh and it'll be, it'll be fine. It'll go away. (sighs) I mean, it's like, (laughs) it's definitely far easier in text, which is weird how you really can at times pick up on something just with somebody's typical communication style. Like it's, it's easy to say, you are right. You know, cause it's just as easy for that person to say like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. Even if they aren't. No worries. No worries. (laughs) 
I have very much worries. <laughs> I have lots of worries, but I will respond to your text with, yeah, no, no worries, because I don't want to talk about it. But yeah, I I do much better at not ignoring those c- kinds of problems, hoping like, eh, they'll get over it. Like eventually they'll talk to me again. Or they won't. And that's yeah. fine. Like if they get to that point, that's what's taken me a long time as an avoider it took me a long time to realize like I'm not the only person in this situation. I'm not the only person that, you know, can tell something's off. If I do reach out and say, Hey, how you doing? And your response is, I'm good. And you give me nothing back and you're okay with that. And I'm okay with like, well, if that's what you got, then that's what you got. Like it <laughs> yeah. took a long time for me to realize that friendships change, people change. Sometimes that means that's the end of that right. season of friendship with yeah. that person. Maybe it's just an acquaintanceship now. Um, I had a very, very deep and wonderful relationship with a friend. Gosh, 15 years ago that, you know, there was some, oddly strange stuff that ended up affecting that relationship and made it not what I thought it was. I mean, I thought we were friends for life and it was never going to change. And she started pushing me away and I don't want to talk about it and I don't know what's happening. And I, you know, I did have, I actually did sit down with her and, and ask specifically like, what did I do? What can I do to fix this? Because this relationship does not feel right. Yeah. And I don't like it. And she just continued to basically say, and that was hard for me. That was really hard for me to do. I did not want to do that. But it mattered. But it mattered. She was important to me. And I, you know, she just kind of kept, she kept denying, kept saying, yeah, no, it's, it's just me. It's, it's just me. I'm just working on stuff. It's just me. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna let you work on stuff. You let me know. Right. And, you know, we're Facebook friends, but in nine years I've never I haven't spoken to her and you know she still never really came out and said like what it was what it was but it was just like oh okay and I had it took me a really long time to get to a point where I was okay with that that's, where that's I was really hard done, to accept like, holding on and saying like no we're, we're we're friends we're good yeah nah we're really not that's fine it actually it's interesting it it reminds me of Jesus camp Mm -hmm. and my final year there was um it it began the worst three years of my life so it was a really bad year and then I left and then dealing with all of the trauma of that final year uh was a really dark time so when I say the worst three years of my life just like incredibly deep dark depression and a lot of resentment like I genuinely hated everybody and I'm sure I was very hard to be around and I'm sure I was very hard to handle with compassion during that time but like honestly the people who I was surrounded with at that time um really did well and uh one so I was in Jesus camp for five years fourth year incredible year like still to this day based on how I felt and how fun it was and just what I like the ways in which I felt I grew like still to this day one of the best years of my life 
followed by one of the <laughs> most difficult. And in Jesus camp at that time, for the fourth year, the good year, I was, um, so there was the guy who ran the thing. And then over certain parts, certain aspects of that um, discipleship program, uh, there was a couple who was in charge of what they, I actually called them like the directors of discipleship. And so while they were technically second command, second in command of that aspect, I was kind of like their right hand. And, you know, we grew very close and they honestly trusted me with a ton of responsibilities. Like anytime they were out, I stepped in and uh, it was cool to run such a large part of that program. You know, like at times like responsible for 150 people in the day, like, like their schedules and things like that, not like truly responsible for them. And, uh, and then the summer between the fourth and fifth years, something shifted and I did not know what it was. And not until I left, did I know what it was, but, um, they just won 80 on me. Like they stopped, um, they stopped asking me to do things. They stopped giving me responsibilities. Like I shit you not when I say, the one thing they would ask me to do is go to their apartment and let their dog out. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, really and truly, like, that is, unless it was, like, a shit job nobody else wanted, um, they really, unless they were in a bind and they knew they needed somebody that they um, knew could handle, like, a bigger responsibility, like, like and l until they were forced to put me in charge of something they wouldn't and kind of like how you were saying with your friend you like your response to that was what did I do and and it isn't always that case like it's not always the case that you did something but yeah like you spend all of that time and for me I spent an entire year asking myself of course not asking them although and the few times I was so miserable that I was like, is everything okay? I got that same like, yeah, no, you're fine. You're doing great. <laughs> like, okay, then why are you being such a shithead to yeah, me? Yeah. <laughs> Not that I had the guts to ask that at, ask that, at that time. Can but I ask how old you were at this? Was this, I'm picturing early 20s. Okay. Early 20s. Okay. So if it was my fourth year, like I graduated and went right into Jesus camp after graduation. So 18, 19, 20, I was 21, 22. Okay. So incredibly impressionable for sure. Um, they were, they were equally young. They were a few years older than I was. Um, but you know, when you spend so long thinking, what did I do wrong? What did I, what did I do wrong? And feeling like you could not ask that question, whether it was the discomfort of it, or like, I did not have the courage to ask them that question. Like, it's interesting how now I can't not ask the question, like, is everything okay? Did I do something like, um, is there something I can do better? to fix the situation and how the trauma of, <laughs> of that relationship eventually through a lot of anger and a lot of hurt and depression and tears and 
lots and lots of hatred, <laughs> lots and lots of cussing. Um, Nothing wrong with it. Yeah, no, not a thing. <laughs> uh, it it is interesting how those things that you felt in in another time, I can't do that. Like I I can't speak up. Now it's the opposite. I can't not because it's too important. Hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. I wonder how many of us are at that point, and how many of us just go deeper into it right and I think I think it's not the same answer for everything Mm -hmm. like I think there are probably when I say relationships I don't think it would be somebody I'm close with but relationship as in like I'm connected to this person in some way there are probably relationships where it would feel natural to just shut up and leave it alone. And I would have to force myself. I, I would have to work myself into the courage to say something. But I, I do, I have joked that we should just call this podcast filtered through trauma. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, like, I am curious at what point that shift occur- occurs. I am too. That's a great question. <laughs> we'll let you know. actual psychologist. Yes. Can we get Brene Brown in here, please? <laughs> or Larry. <laughs> or Larry. Oh, we're in a book club with a man named Larry, and I want him to be my dad or my therapist. I don't care. I just need I him in my him. life. <laughs> also, fun fact, my dad's name was Larry. So I'm like, when I say I want you to be my dad, like... On a level. I, it's like it a is real weird, weird because level because <laughs> my dad's name, Larry. My dad was awesome, and he would be a great therapist, but he is no longer on Earth, so. Um, oh, okay. I had one other thing that did not fit into my triple D Uh-oh. sermon. This is like the altar call. But <laughs> it does relate to sermons in that it makes me think of a very particular brand of religion. But one thing that um, I picked up on in this chapter is the... I don't want to, the word I'm thinking of is reliance, but that's not it. Anyway, the dedication to appearances. Oh, yeah. Um, There's, like, as soon as they get the first letter that says it's addressed to Harry Potter, H. Potter, covered under the stairs. The next day they move him to a bedroom. As soon (laughs) as they think he, as soon as they think they're being watched, they had no problem hiding him in a cupboard under the stairs when they thought nobody knew. The second Petunia says, do you think they're watching us? They're watching us. They move him into a bedroom because of the appearance, not because they actually care, not because like Vernon comes to his closet and says, we think it's, we think it's time. No, it's not. I have to point out that you had a fourth D dedication. There you go. (laughs) Dang it. I should have. Yes, there's my. Okay, never mind. It is a D. (laughs) Dedication to appearances. He is so concerned with what people will think. Yeah. That they move him into a closet. Anyway, that was just another thing that I saw about our friend (laughs) Vidi. Our friend (laughs) Vidi. I do have, um, 
I do have something that fits within your D theme, and that is the dynamic that shifts based on secrets. Now, I know we already went off on secrets Mm -hmm. previously, but we're going to go off on secrets again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And just, like, taking a more in-depth look at the way secrets um, really drive a wedge with the Dursleys. Now, and how interesting that now the secret is going to change. It's going to shift the dynamic from the Dursleys versus Harry to Vernon and Petunia teamed up together. And now Dudley's going to find himself shoved out of that circle Hmm. um, on the other side of the secret. Um, Like the moment Harry's letter arrives and Vernon realizes where it's from, who it's from, uh, like at that point, everything changes. Like his yeah. first word is Petunia. And from there, like that is the alliance we see for a time. Right. Um, until he loses his shit. <laughs> 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 which, will adro- which is another point I wanted to address a little yeah. bit later. But like the first thing he does is he keeps Harry from reading the letter. And the second thing he does is he keeps Dudley from reading the letter. Yep. And that is like... I mean, I know uh, there are, like, I know secrets are not always avoidable, and I know that secrets, or at least, like, keeping information uh, close or private, it's not always unavoidable, and it's not also, it's also not always unnecessary. Like, you know, we, we talked about moments where, like, it is important to withhold information at times, but, um... You know, that's not a thing that I, and I think it actually, I don't know, I have it in quotes, so I don't know that it's in the book or I would assume it is, but also it could just be a me thought. But like the thing that Dudley is not used to is being ignored by his parents. And, um, yes. (laughs) And this letter and the secret that it holds changes that. Um, like the, the next thing that Vernon does that VD does is he <laughs> kicks Harry and Dudley out of the kitchen. And like this, like that is truly one of the things that we have n- never seen up to this point is an alliance of the Dursleys that does not include Dudley. Yeah, it is. A and quote. It's, it's Dudley okay. wasn't used to being ignored. Full there stop. you go. <laughs> and then he gives his father a sharp tap on the yes. head with his smelting Poof, stick. Cause He's a little shit. He's a toddler. And he's used to getting his way. Yes. He's not a handsome grown up little man. Um, And yeah, Yeah, he's very much used to getting his way, you know, and you, you did like the, the next thing it does is like, because one, I think the point that you made is twofold because yes, they move Harry into the second bedroom in the fear that they're being watched. And because, uh, they are concerned with those appearances. And the other part of it is, is if they can keep this person at bay, if they can, and I think like, if we move Harry to the second bedroom, he'll stop asking questions, I think is the delusion <laughs> that they're under. Yeah, that could be um, too, for sure. But I, 
they move him to the second bedroom. And part of that is keeping Harry from like getting that letter, finding out what this secret is. Um, and then even like to further keep that secret from moving outside of VD and Petunia is like, we have seen as previous as, as recently as the previous chapter when Dudley throws a fit, Dudley gets what he wants. Like we watched him go from 36 birthday presents to 39 birthday presents, all based on a fit. And, and also just like, like that's not working anymore. Like literally <laughs> VD's response went from little Tyke loves his, likes to get his money's worth to, um, now it's like, your shit's not going to work. Like, because at this point I don't care about keeping you happy. I care about keeping a secret. And, um, like that's the fucking nature of secrets. Yeah. Like I know, like, I know it's not all evil. It's not all bad. It's not all corrupt, but like really the nature of secrets is, um, like, like generally they're harmful. You know, they are, uh, like they're rooted in a self-preservation, and that self-preservation is often based on fear. Like, if we go back in this specific scenario to the first chapter, the fear of being found out. You know, of people finding out the Dursley secret of the Potters. And, um... Just the, ex the exclusionary nature. And anytime you exclude... Obviously, that creates sides, that creates division. And when you create division, like, naturally, attention is going to come with that. Not, like, attention, A-T-T, but, like, A-space, tension. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I realize that sounded weird. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, I just think that that self-preservation aspect really becomes weaponized. Um, and used as a manipulation. And I hate secrets. I yeah. hate secrets so much. Yeah. It is actually interesting because I was reading in another series this morning, The Will of Time, my treadmill book. That was the price of having secrets someone else knew and you did not dare have exposed. And in this scenario, like it is because somebody has weaponized someone's secret against them. Mm. Like, I know your secret, so you're going to do what I want. Or I'll expose your secret. Ooh. <laughs> I hate secrets. Yeah. In case you can't tell. No, I get it. There's also another aspect, um, and I don't know how biblical it is, but in a lot of churches that I've been a part of in my life, there's an aspect of confession. And while I think to a certain extent, the forced act of confession is a bit problematic. Yeah. There is something in, if you've got a secret and maybe you are the only one, maybe there isn't a, a second person that, right. that knows about like it. You're, you, like it's your secret and yes. only you know it. Yes. And you keep that inside. It spirals. It festers. It festers. It gets, it, it gets worse and worse and worse and you tend to dwell on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I shouldn't say you, I, in the, the general, past, the universal, the you. universal you, but <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't even speak for that. I feel like for me, 
this is like an observation I've had about myself. When I've had something that I have held inside, it has festered, it has spiraled, it has taken over. It is constantly on my mind. I can't concentrate on other things. I neglect other things because I'm like, uh, what about this? That's an obsession in a way or it's a fixation. A, yeah, it, it is a fixation. But when I've had, when I've gotten to that point, when I've gotten to a point where I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this. And I have like a trusted individual, a mm -hmm. very, very, very good friend, somebody that I know I isn't going to weaponize it against right. me. And I've shared that secret with them. Poof. It's gone. Yeah. And there's an aspect of that too. Like Vernon and Petunia have each other. Right. But you get the feeling that they probably don't talk about it. Oh, yeah. You know, that's not like... Well, because like he was fearful to even bring up the Potters. Right. Yeah. So obviously it hasn't been a, a object of discussion around their, right. you know, in their bedroom behind closed doors, right. even without Dudley around. It's something that, you know, Vernon has let fester. Mm -hmm. Petunia lets her jealousy... Yeah. fester and even though i would argue neither of them are in a healthy place <laughs> to be the trusted individual there is a there's a chance that if they would have just confessed to each other if they would have talked about their fear if they would have said you know more or honestly brought in dumbledore yeah and asked him like we're scared shitless we don't understand this yeah. We don't know how to keep this secret. It's tearing us apart. It's making us paranoid. Like, obviously, that would take a very healthy individual to be able to do that. Yeah. But would it have exploded like this? Would right. it have been, you know, such a traumatic, like, revelation? Yeah. Like, look at, look at, even if for just a, a small period of time, really, from now until, I mean, they're always awful to him but sure. like i think eventually now like eventually now that dudley is going to know like it brings him back into the fold and it's mm -hmm. like the dursleys versus harry again but um like for a brief amount of time this blows their world up yeah. like it changes everything about the dynamics in their family for a short while and um i have to say though like when you talked about petunia's jealousy festering like let's remember that like it was jealousy she wrote to dumbledore as a girl and and had i don't know that yet we're only i know but we three. also said we said this is not, this is not spoiler free <laughs> i know I'm but like I, there is no way in hell vd knows that there's yeah. no way in hell yeah. vd knows that uh as a girl she was dying to be included in that world with yeah. her sister that's a really good point we only make good points i no. mean it's true it's true that's um why we're here <laughs> so i'll get off the secret bandwagon <laughs> well we're, i have it written down for the next chapter too oh, there you so. go so we're gonna hit next it episode, again <laughs> next we're episode talk about secrets some more kids <laughs> filtered through secrets <laughs> Filtered um, through drama, filtered through secrets. We're filtering it all. Mm -hmm. um, and then, let's see. I'm going to move to the next part yeah, yeah. because um, 
I I alluded to this a little bit, like how it's Vernon and Petunia versus Harry and Dudley, and then really his state of mind even alienates um, Petunia at one point. Mm-hmm. Like it talks about, I'm gonna say say page forty one because you and I have the <laughs> same page numbers, but um, how at this point he's really lost his shit, and it mm-hmm. says they drove and drove. Even Aunt Petunia didn't dare ask where they were going. And how, like, like, ugh, it makes me cringe. Have you ever been held hostage to someone's mood or state of mind? You know, like, mm-hmm. it's so uncomfortable. And at this point, he has, um, he's really even alienated Petunia. Yeah. And, I mean, the family dynamic is shot to shit at this point. Like, now, strangely... It's Vernon versus Petunia, Dudley, and Harry because they're all at the mercy of his. Um, uh, what what was your third point? Desperation. His desperation. I was like, it's not delusion. Like his desperation and his paranoia, and just like, oh, it it really makes me cringe to put myself myself in Petunia's shoes at this point. At this point where. Like, she, she's afraid to speak up. Like, he has forced her into a timidity, even towards him. And, ugh, like, I hate it, but I, I know, like, my bad moods have probably made people feel hostage. So I own that, like, to, like, ugh, I'm afraid to say something. I'm walking on eggshells. Um, like, I hate that. Like, it makes me feel ashamed to know. Um, Shame for your zone. Yeah. I don't feel ashamed, but I don't feel proud of. <laughs> Not super excited about it. <laughs> I also don't love it. Uh, oh God! Like, like, have you had that experience though? Oh, where, absolutely. Where you? I think you I'm are a hostage. You are literally held hostage to. Like, it, it's more than a mood. Like, I, I wrote being held hostage to someone's mood, but like in in this specific um example with vd like it's not a mood it's it's a breakdown (laughs) yeah yeah no for sure i i mean i don't think i've ever been this well maybe i have i don't know i had a very toxic boyfriend for like four Mm -hmm. years my very first like true love boyfriend and was very often just he was in charge and that was that like he wasn't physically abusive nothing like that but mentally like if he was in a bad mood which he was often uh i just needed to do whatever it took to like calm him like there was even a time in high school he was um not the brightest and um some might stereotype him as a dumb jock he was a football player whatever anyway um he, he didn't play to his strengths. Well, he <laughs> had two, and we're not going to talk about the okay. other one on this podcast. But um, his he failed his senior, his second semester of senior English, so he wasn't going to graduate. Okay. And I was a year younger than him, and m- much more academically sound <laughs> than he was. <laughs> and when he found out that he failed. He went into an insane rage. He, he was, his, his parents were divorced. He lived with his mom. His mom called me 
I wasn't there when he found out his mom called me and was like, can you come help me with him? He's completely lost his mind. And I, of course, like beck and call like, yeah, of course, of course I can. Sure. I come over. He has, he's in his car. He's threatened to tell, he's told his mother he was going to go basically, he was going to go kill his English teacher. Oh, he had punched his windshield to the point where he cracked it. And she was sitting on the hood to keep him from driving away. <laughs> so like we're literally in like a hostage situation right. and it was his anger that was like holding us hostage so you know i had to, i came and i had to sit in the car i sat in the passenger seat and i you know literally like pet him to like <laughs> physically calm him yeah, like and had soothing. to talk him down and had to tell him i would write his paper like his he failed but then the teacher said that if he did he wrote like this. He's basically giving him. He was getting a second chance. Yeah. He wasn't going to get to walk at graduation, but he didn't have to do summer school and they would allow him to graduate if he wrote this certain paper and okay. was able to pass it. And I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it for you. It's fine. It's fine, babe. Yeah. I got this. And like had to do everything in my power to keep him. I don't, I honestly, to this day, don't think he actually would have gone and killed the... T- I don't think he knew where the guy lived. So it's not like he could have. Thank goodness. <laughs> this was in like <laughs> 1997. We didn't have, you know, the internet in our pocket. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and that was a, a very extreme example. But that was what often... He was in like a great mood or he was in a terrible mood. And I was at the whim of whatever those moods were and spent right. a lot of time as a peacemaker as a person who tried to like have harmony and make sure, sure. everybody was getting along spent a lot of time like denying what i felt in this situation to try to calm him right down so yeah i was gonna say i hadn't experienced this but yes i have <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> very very I much like, so for four years i think that's textbook he wouldn't let me break up with him for the last like year of our relationship i was gone i moved to seattle for college and long distance was not working and he was cheating on me left and right i had like evidence from people who lived in the dorms with him and he wouldn't let me break up with him but here's the thing we're broken up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it was. You may think we are not, but we are. But I live in Seattle and you don't know what I do. So you can keep saying we're together, yeah. but we're not. <laughs> yeah, that was real toxic. My final point, and I decided to do this one last because it's happier. Oh, yay. <laughs> I was like, well, I can either move back in time or I can do this and we, we can end up ending on a lighter note <laughs> yes and that's just i love sassy harry oh yes he is he makes me smile yep um you know and we had talked about his resilience previously and just how um like instead of becoming like just completely defeated by all of the shit that the dursleys put him through is he's re- he's just retained that spark of resistance and i mean i love 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 a rebel i love a good <laughs> rebel and uh just you know someone who like even if it's in quiet ways which in in this example it's when he tells <laughs> he tells dudley 
The toilet's never had something as disgusting <laughs> as Dudley's head in it. Yes. Uh, it might get sick. And just like how he he takes those little, he takes those moments. And then runs off before Dudley and, can figure out what it was. Yeah. And I just, oh. I, I do, I just think we see a hint of that Gryffindor resistance to rules, which like this is the Dursley rules versus whatever, you know, Hogwarts rules there might be, but... Like we, you know, like, uh, I think the Dursley rule is Dudley gets to do what he wants and you'll deal with it. And he's like, watch me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love it. Yep. I just love that sassiness and his rebellion and just his refusal to let them win. Yep. It is, it makes, it just really makes me smile a yep. lot. Absolutely. I concur. I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> ditto yep all right boom hot seat hot seat okay you go first me first yeah okay this, this is, is a two-parter oh because it could does I, that mean i get to have four answers uh, <laughs> <laughs> no no because it's a yes or no question oh, so okay. if the answer is no then you have to answer the second part instead oh kind of oh no uh, it's this is how my brain. Don't works. tell me the rules because okay. I'll just There's manipulate no rules. them. There's no rules. <laughs> you rebel, you. Okay, so in this chapter, Harry is desperate for that letter. He wants to know what that freaking thing says. So bad. We're both gonna ask questions centered around letters. Well, I mean, in it's some way, the letter to <laughs> but anyway, the from, from no one. one. Okay, so he's desperate so, for his letter. Have you ever wanted something so Ooh. bad? As bad as Harry wanted this letter. Or, on the flip side, so you can have two answers. You can't have four. And or, on the flip side, have you not wanted something as badly as Vernon does not want Harry to read that letter? Oh, that's a really good question. I like that they we both centered around the concept, but didn't ask the same thing. Ooh, okay, good. Okay. <laughs> it's, just, it's a hard question. Oh. I said I don't have answers to my own questions. I don't have my answer to the next one either. I think I've come up with mine. Okay. Do you want me to go yes, first? Yes, you go first. Okay. Maybe it'll help me down a path. Well, it's still pretty... It's hard to... It's not like a physical thing. So it's not like it's something that I can actually like reach out and grab okay. and be like, I have achieved or I have gotten this thing. I finally have it. And it's like super sappy mom love situation. But I think the thing I want as bad as Harry wants to read that letter is I want to know that my kids are going to turn out okay. I love that. (laughs) I love that. It's going to make me cry, but I want to know that they're going to be fucked up. We're all fucked up. Like they're going to need therapy. I'm saving for therapy, not college for them. Like that is brilliant. I've said that for years. They can pay their own way through college, (laughs) but I will pay for their therapy. I get that. But what I just really desperately, desperately want to know is that they're going to make it and they're going to be happy, content, good people. I know they're going to be good people, but their happiness. Yeah. So that's a beautiful answer. Now I'm going to have to come up. I'm going to have to reach in the depths for something very profound. <laughs> Ugh. Okay. 
I've got it. She's finally got it. after much deliberation. <laughs> um, I'm also going to go the Harry route. Okay. Uh, meaning uh, something you something want. that I desperately want, and like really, truly, and genuinely, I want to make a huge difference in some corner of the world with this podcast. Aww. I really do. Yes. <laughs> um, it's oh, she's happy too. Ow. <laughs> I, I can get there every now and then. I'm not just an INTJ monster. Um, uh, no, and I know I've, I've with our friend Lauren and you, I have talked about how I'm at a season in my life where I desperately need to do something creative. But I also just knew somewhere deep down in my little soul that like it wasn't I didn't want to be creative in the ways I traditionally have been, um, like through music or, um, I mean, that's really been the number one way that in the past I have expressed myself creatively. Like I wanted it, I wanted it to be different and there's just something in my bones that knows like this is the way that I want to do it. And so it's very meaningful and fulfilling for me, but I want it to be really meaningful for other people. Dang. Yeah, baby. There we go. And I look, it. I stuck to one answer. You did. <laughs> okay, now you have to answer the Vernon side. No, I'm just I was kidding. Like, Don't do it. I did off the air. <laughs> <laughs> True. We did cut that part. <laughs> we don't need to go uh, polarizing mm -hmm. our audience in the third episode. <laughs> we'll wait until the fifth one. There you that. go. Okay. Also centered around the letters. Yes. Somebody... I'm going. I'm also going to give two options for this. Mm. You can answer one or both. Um, somebody is desperate to get a message to Harry, so I'm not going to limit limit it to a ten or eleven year old self because I'll be honest, I don't really remember ten or eleven years old Same. specifically. But if you could get a message to your younger self, mm. like, what would that message be? Or if you could deliver a message to anyone, like, and I know how broad that feels, but like an incredibly like meaningful message, what message would you want to deliver? Oh my. So you can gosh. answer one or both. I'm going to go with younger me. Cause I also don't remember 10 or 11 years old, but what I would tell 10 or 11 years old me is to make the memories, pay attention, do the things, and chronicle them in some way so that you don't forget. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like, which it makes sense on two levels. One, you know, that you'll talk about how your memory is shit. Yep. But you're also a photographer. Mm. And so, like, Maybe what do you why. do? What do you do now other than, like, I get like the corporate side or the real estate side of it is way more about like it's a job, Correct. but um, like no, I'm not. That's what you do now. Like you literally chronicle things. I love it. I would also go with my younger self, and um, 
I think 10 or 11 would actually be a phenomenal age to tell myself the things that make you different, lean into them. The things that you're starting to discover about yourself or even suspect, lean into them. Like It's going to be scary, but it's going to be okay. And yes. it'll be worth it. Yes. Oh, I want you to tell your 10 or 11-year-old <laughs> self that, too. <laughs> like, it would have helped little little 10-year-old, 11-year-old It would have helped 21-year-old Naki, yeah. too. It would, like, uh, 39-year-old Naki <laughs> right now. <laughs> so, um, consider what would be different if, you know, like, that 10, 11-year-old self would have felt safe enough, even just within myself to lean into those things dude i want to like i love this episode so oh, much so good <laughs> if nothing else just for the hot seat questions right those were good <laughs> yay us i appreciate you and your answers i appreciate you and, and your, your questions too and your questions okay all of the things yes that was a good one yeah this is my favorite so far Yeehaw, let's keep going. Only to be surpassed by the next one. Yeah, baby. <laughs> okay, social media. You can catch Filter Through Fiction on Instagram. Technically, it has a TikTok now, but it's just so <laughs> Karen can send me TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> I have an addiction to sending my friends TikToks that make me laugh. It's, it's really fun. It's a beautiful addiction. <laughs> I feel as though I benefit from your addiction. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, do you want to give your um, Instagram handle you or can, shall I cut this out? You can find me personally on Instagram, day3queen. Three is spelled out. I don't know why you'd want to. It's just pictures of my face with makeup on it because I'm a dork and sometimes my cats and books I'm reading. That's about Lo it. Lots of books. Lots of books and Jeep pictures. Yes. But I don't do anything with my Jeep, so eh, I don't care. Find um, me there, or I have another podcast called Working Folk Podcast. That's also on Instagram. Filtered Through Fiction has a website, too. Don't forget yes. about that. With now, um, dot com. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you go to the read link, you'll actually see um, some blog posts that uh, it's kind of, it's, I guess it would be the other facet of Filtered Through Fiction kind of a misnomer because it's not actually fiction uh, <laughs> right now doing a series called adventure and adventure and values um just a blog series that will eventually have some accompanying podcast episodes uh, with some of those values and um my personal instagram is broland deshane <laughs> i don't even want to try deep Deep reference to some Stephen uh, yes. King there. Yes, I typically refuse to tell people what it means. Oh, oops. <laughs> no, you're okay. <laughs> All they know is Stephen King. No. That's true. Um, uh, yes, so Broland DeShane, B-R-O-L-A-N-D-D-E-S-C-H-A-I-N. Thanks for sitting down Perfect. and talking about Harry Potter with me again. My pleasure, as always. I mean, you're going to have to do it for seven more books, so. I can't wait. <laughs> it's getting good. It's getting, uh, getting deep. I'm loving it. Me too. As always, thank you for listening, and until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.